Good morning. Bring you greetings from Sovereign Grace Baptist Church in Cortland, Ohio. And I just want to stop for a minute and just thank the church again. Thank Brother Paul for having us down. Uh, I know everybody's here. We, we all know all the prayer requests have been going on, and, and particularly here in the church uh, with Brother Sam and got a new baby here. That's a lot going on in the church and, and to put all this together. And uh, we just appreciate your heart for everybody, and, and Brother Paul's already shared his heart for us, the preachers here, and, and your church, so I just want to thank you again and, and tell you we love you back, so we, we appreciate everything that you do, and you're, you're a blessing to us. If we could, we'll turn to Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, kind of working our, our way backwards, if you've noticed, Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. Revelation 3 and verse 1 we read, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen those things, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name, out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. And that's as far as we'll read at this time. And if we would, let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer and ask his blessing on his word. Heavenly Father, again, we want to thank you for this, this word that you've given us, Lord, so many years ago, Lord, but living now as it was then. And speaking to us now, as it did to the members of the church of Sardis then, and, and to all that would hear it, as your scripture says, we pray that we would hear it, Lord, and the only way we can hear it is that you open our ears that we can hear it and receive it, Lord, your word, not our word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would teach us what you would have us to know. Help us to apply this word by your spirit, Lord. You would apply it to our hearts, and you'd move us and change us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The subject assigned to me is the church at Sardis and her problems. As we think of that, we've got similar subjects assigned to the other preachers today. And think about the word problem. I want to think, you think for a minute and, and think, have you ever had a problem with anything? Has anybody ever looked at you and said, hey, look, do you have a problem? Or, or what's your problem? Has anybody ever said that to you? I, I've had it happen to me a couple times. I, I had a, a problem just this last week, and maybe the Lord let it happen to me just uh, so I could share it. I don't know. We'll see. But up in uh, Ohio, it's cold for a long time. Okay, it's about six months of, of solid, you know, it's, it's freezing for about six months, freezing weather. But it's amazing that it's so cold up there, and the snow will be on the ground. It melts through the year, but it, through the winter, but when the snow melts, the grass is still green most of the time underneath the snow. And uh, when when the freezing weather breaks, the grass 
grows. I mean, fast. You can't stay ahead of it. I mean, it's a. Uh, it's like every three days you have to cut the grass. So the other day I was out cutting the grass and uh, I was out by the road cutting the grass. And I was on my lawnmower and it was loud. I had my ear protection on. And this guy stopped in the road right beside me. And I could tell he was upset. He was angry about something. And uh, he was pointing at me. I couldn't hear anything he was saying, but he was pointing at me and yelling at me. And so, you know, being kind Christian man that I am, I, I turned my uh, throttle down and, and cut the blade off so I could hear what he was saying. And uh, he said, are you kidding me? He said, you mean you're cutting your grass and it's come, and you're letting it blow into the road? And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry, sir. I mean, he was stopped in the middle of the traffic. And I said, okay. I said, well, you know, the Spirit of the Lord came over me, I guess, or, or just my own fear, you know, kind of a coward or whatever. I said, well, look, sir, you can come in my driveway. We'll talk about it. Let's, let's talk about it. And he said, okay, well, I'll talk to you. And he came in and and so he proceeded to tell me, you know, that this was a city ordinance and, and uh, law in the state of Ohio. You're not supposed to blow your grass into the road, and, and normally I don't. And so I just, you know, I told him, you know, I've only been up here for a couple of years. And so he started to calm down. I said, I apologize to him. I said, I'm going to run back up and blow it into my yard. But he started to tell me the problems with grass in the road. It gets into the drain, and he was a city councilman. It was his pet peeve, and, and that it would uh, cause him to, pay somebody overtime to come out and unclog the drains, but he calmed down and I apologized. And, and so that's a problem I had. I had to, you know, figure out that I had a problem and I wasn't aware of it. You know, we have problems sometimes. We're not aware of what we're doing. It doesn't excuse us. Now, I should have known better than to get out there and blow my grass in the road and I probably would have blown it back into the yard, but I had a problem and I had to deal with it. And so he went on and and uh, I'm not going to cut my grass with the blower towards the road anymore. That's not going to happen again. But we have problems. If we look in Revelation 3 and verse 1 through 5, we see some problems that the church of Sardis has. And, uh, you know, in each of these messages that's already been addressed, the Lord addresses these churches and he, he speaks to them specifically and he talks to them about uh, specific problems that each of them has. And here we need to consider the problems of the church of Sardis as if they are our own problems. We need to consider whether or not these problems that the church of Sardis has, are they some problems that we may have as well? You'll notice at the end of every one of these messages to the churches, you have the same verse. And it happens here in chapter 3 and verse 6. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Every time. And so while this message is to the church at Sardis, and we've heard about the message to the church at Philadelphia and the one to Laodicea, we find that every message, we're to listen up and hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. Because chances are, we might share a problem with Laodicea or Philadelphia or here even at Sardis. And and I believe that we do. I believe that I do. And so what are the problems of the church at Sardis? Well, I see in this passage at least three problems that the Lord addresses with the church at Sardis. I see that they have the problem, first of all, of failing to live up to the name that they have. Also, I see the problem of of them failing to realize the critical condition that they're in. And then also I see that they have a failure to remember the one that they have to answer to, the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are serious problems, and we want to look at each of them. So, first of all, a failure to live up to their name. It says... 
in verse 1, it says, Unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. We see here their first problem that the church at Sardis had. They had a name that they are failing to live up to. Now the name, there's nothing, there's no problem with the name that they have. The, the Lord says they have a name that they live. We all want to have a name that shows that we're alive, that we're blessed, that we're, that we're thriving. But the problem was not with their name, but was with their practice and, and how they lived. Now names are important. This has already been mentioned several times. We know to God in his word, names are important. My name's important to me. Your name is important to you. That's one thing I always remember my dad told me, don't make fun of somebody's name. And as a teacher, I've seen many different types of names. And I always make an effort to understand how to pronounce and how to say everybody's name. And I try not to get that wrong because my dad told me not to make fun of anybody's name. It's important. Our names are important to us. And, and it's not just the actual S-T-E-P-H-E-N of my name, but it's the character that our name reveals to other people, what it represents. And so a name defines us. It reveals to others what we are about. It's like a brand, a brand name. It, it puts a picture or an image. It presents a picture to others of what that brand represents. And so... When we say go to Chick-fil-A, if you can get in there sideways, we were on the way down and, and we were going to stop at a Chick-fil-A, but we couldn't even get in, so we went to Hardy's. But uh, that name represents good chicken sandwiches and waffle fries and sweet tea. And you go in there, you want to be able to get a good chicken sandwich. You want to, you want to taste like it always does. There's a name. It represents something. And many churches and Christian groups today, it seems like there's an effort to avoid any kind of a name. Nobody wants to have a specific name, it seems like. And for our people, of course, we know our name is still important. How often we talk about our name, uh, the, the Baptist Church, Sovereign Grace, Landmark Missionary Baptist. A name's important to us, right? And... And for good reason. The Baptist name, we know, uh, when we think of Baptist, it, to us, it, it signifies things such as true regeneration. We preach against salvation by works. We believe that salvation is of the Lord. It's by grace rather than works. That's what uh, we believe people that have gone before us have been persecuted for, that are persecuted today, that die for that. That teaching, we stand for the inerrancy of Scripture, the living Word of God. That's what we want our name to stand for and represent. We believe in genuine repentance and faith, not a false profession. However, however important our name may be to us, and however much importance we put into our name, if we place all of our confidence in our name, but then our heart never seeks to glorify and serve the Lord, then we're dead on the inside. And we're of no use to the Master, no matter what our name is. It doesn't matter. So I'm not saying that a name is not important. A good name is important. But a genuine life and faith for the Lord is much more important. 
or equally important, I should say. We want, because the Lord places importance on the name, but then on the life behind that name. And so here, the the church at Sardis, they had a, a problem. They had a failure to live up to the name. Again, already addressed here in this in this passage alone, in chapters 2 and 3, as the Lord addresses each of the seven churches there in Asia, or Asia Minor, whatever we want to refer to it as, He gives Himself a distinct name for each of the churches as He addresses them. He reveals Himself in a certain way to each church. And if you read the Bible at all, you find that the name of God is always important. The character behind that name, who He is, and how that name reveals a specific trait of who He is throughout the Old Testament and through the New Testament, through the Lord Jesus Christ. How does His name reveal who He is? And so His name is important. It reveals something important about Him. And so, how does the Lord reveal Himself to the church at Sardis? He says, These things saith He that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Well, we know that there's one Spirit of God. What does it mean? He that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Well, this is the title that He gives to Himself. And we know from the Bible that 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 number seven it signifies completion, perfection, and that's who our God is. He's perfect in, in all His ways. He's perfect in wisdom and knowledge. He knows all. He is everywhere. And I believe this scripture refers to His perfection and His wisdom of knowing all things and having everything that we need to know everything we need to live. But also the seven stars. He has everything for His messengers. Those who would, would, would deliver the message to His churches. As a pastor. I don't, I don't know anything. I don't know up from down. Without the Lord Jesus Christ. And without His Word. But the important thing is that I know who does have all wisdom. And if we are going to be the messengers of God. Or His stars, if we're going to shine forth in a a dark world, we must go to Him who has all wisdom. Well, in Isaiah chapter 11, we read something very similar. In Isaiah 11, verse 1, it says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Well, that of course is a perfect description of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And... If you look in verse 2, many times this is a cross-reference giving for these uh, passages in Revelation that speaks to the Lord, describes Him as having the seven spirits of God. And here you'll count, and 
it says uh, there's there's six different characteristics of the spirit. And then it says the spirit of the Lord. And then it has wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, spirit and knowledge, spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. But the idea here is to realize that the Lord is perfect. He knows all. He, he has everything he needs. And he's our only counsel to go to. So he reveals himself as the perfectly wise, all-knowing, omniscient God that we serve to the church of Sardis. That's his title. So we might be able to, to hide from others and ourselves at times, but the Lord in his wisdom, we know he can fully expose what our faults are. That's kind of a scary thing for me sometimes. I don't know how it is to you, but, but knowing that he can expose all of my faults. But it's a needful thing. And it was needful here for the church of Sardis that the all-knowing, all-wise Lord, He that had the seven spirits of God could reveal to them what their problems were. He knows what the name, He knows what our name, the names of our churches are. He knew what the name of my church was before it ever started. But He also knows all of the members in each of the churches. He knows what's going on in our hearts, in our minds right now. And he's concerned. And he speaks to Sardis here, but he speaks to us today. He uses his word to reveal to us. He knows the true state of our hearts. Not only does he know our name, but he knows what we really are thinking and feeling today. The Bible says that he can discern between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So, this is his title. You know, my name, or even as Brother Paul said, the name of certain churches, they can lose their power, they can lose their weight, they can lose their life, but the name of God will never lose its power. It will go on forever and ever. It will never fade in strength and in life. So as we think about this problem that Sardis had, this first problem, they had a failure to live up to that name. They had a name that they lived, but they were dead. And we might be tempted to today to ascribe this passage to some other group of, of Christians. And we may think of some other group that's uh, hypocritical, that's, uh, that's lifeless spiritually. We may think of someone else that's abandoned the scriptures as we think of them. But we really need to, before that, we need to take time to consider our name and whether or not we live up to that name as the Lord's people. What name do we have? Is it a worthy name? Again, we think of the Baptist name. It's, it's a worthy name. I think of John the Baptist in, in John 3.30. What made his name, his title worthy? He said, as he saw the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Well, if we can hold the Baptist name with that kind of mentality and that heart, that feeling, then it's a worthy name. If our desire is to see the Lord Jesus Christ increase and us decrease, as Brother Paul said, it's not about Him, it's not about us, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's a worthy name. We need to continue to exalt the name of Christ. We need to lift His name up in word and in deed. 
So the problem here, the first problem we see with the church of Sardis was that they had a name that they lived, but, uh, but they were dead. So what's the solution to that problem? We need to consider the name again of the one that we serve. When you think of his name, our name must glorify the Lord. Our actions should follow. Our doctrine and our practice must align if we're going to truly show life to this world. We can't just be in name. We have to be in life. We need the name of Christ. But as already mentioned, we need to have the mind of Christ as well. We read about that in Philippians 2, verses 2 through 13. Let this mind be in you. He took upon him the form of a servant, but now his name is above every name. That's the name that we have to remember. That's the solution to our problem. We have to consider his name. Without conviction, without working out of this gift of salvation, without obedience, without a realization of God's power in everything and anything that we're able to do for Him, no matter how great our name is or once was, it becomes a mockery. We bring reproach on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ if we fail to live up to His name. It's impossible, really, to live up to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it, needs, it requires supernatural power. The power only found from heaven, from the Lord Jesus Christ, from, our, from the Holy Spirit. And so we need to realize it's impossible. We need to stop trying to make ourselves, uh, in our own strength, live up to the name of Christ or, or the name that we desire to present to others. We need to surrender to His name. We need to lay down our lives. We need to confess that we are weak. We're undone without Him. We need to take the form of a servant. And no matter how great we are in our own eyes or the eyes of others, we need to be like David. Psalm 18. It's a, it has 50 verses, but in the introduction, something very striking there in Psalm 18. The introduction says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. Now David, he had many titles. He was a great king of Israel. Remember, he had all the, the young women in, in town singing praises. He killed tens of thousands. He could have had any title he wanted to have. But he, he was content to have the title of the servant of the Lord. Well, that should be our, our desire, to have that name, to have that title, and to live up to that name. Another problem that the church at Sardis had was the failure to realize their critical condition. Look again in verse 2. It says, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. They had another problem. Not only were they not living up to the name that they had, but they were in critical condition. It was as if they, they were on death's doorstep. They were ready to die. And they didn't even realize it. They didn't even know. They weren't even aware. That's how it is many times when we're sick. Uh, we, we're not even aware of the symptoms. And many times when you have a life-threatening condition, the symptoms don't reveal themselves to your way late in the game and maybe too far gone. 
And when we get sick, we get weak like that, we might want to give up and, and, and forget about it and let everything go. But the time of illness, it's not a time for us to sit back and look away from the problem. When it gets critical, we have to look full into the face of the problem. We have to see what's going on. We have to accept it. We have to focus all of our attention on it, on the crisis. And we have to throw ourselves fully into the effort of surviving. Think of the EMTs that are on watch at all hours of the night. They can't just look away from the problem. They have to put all their effort in at that instant through all hours of the night. They have to have steady, they have to have watchful eyes and and, and hands on the problem. And if we see ourselves in a spiritually dying condition, we need to focus now more than ever. Now is not the time to turn away. Now is not the time to turn our eyes away from the problem. So what causes this, this problem that Sardis has and that we may have today? An ignorance of a, a chronic condition, this illness, spiritual illness that we have. I believe there's some different things uh, among a few other things that cause this uh, is just laziness. Physically, if we don't ever use our bodies to do anything or produce anything, what's going to happen? Our, our bodies just die, they waste away. If we don't ever uh, exercise, and, and as hard as it is for Brother Sam now, as he's worn out through the rehabilitation and can't walk after he's done, the, the people that are helping him, they know he has to use his muscles if he's going to regain strength. And we can't be lazy with our physical bodies. Especially if we've been ill and we're going to recover. We have to keep going if we're able. And unfortunately, we live in a lazy society. Uh, we're in a lazy generation, lazy culture. And this is dangerous physically. But spiritually, it's, it's very dangerous. It's, uh, it's killing us. As Christians, we cannot be lazy as Christians. We can't be lazy in prayer. We can't be lazy in Bible reading. We can't be lazy in church attendance. We can't be lazy Christians. The Bible speaks of iron sharpening iron. We have to be ready to be used in God's hands. We have to be precision instruments for God. But instead, we're so lazy that it's like taking a butter knife trying to cut a tough piece of steak. We're not not able to do anything for the Lord. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now's not a time to be lazy. Now's not a time to be ignorant of the symptoms that we have as, as a dying church. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die is what the Lord says. Another thing that causes us to to look away from these deadly symptoms is is the worldly distractions. There's somebody that's that's, uh, addicted to drugs. They don't many times realize how close to death's doorstep they are. Uh, Up in the area where we are, there's terrible heroin addiction problems. And there's stories every day of, of people, men and women, that have been brought back to life multiple times after they overdose with drugs. 
And they're completely unaware that they're just dying uh, with the drugs. Uh, the, the drugs mask the symptoms. And it's the same thing in the world today, the, the worldly distractions that we have. Right here, right? And we can use this for the Lord, I'm sure, but I'm sure that it causes a lot of distractions and takes us away from the Lord. And uh, it's, it's worse now than ever. We fill our minds up with so much of this world's achievements and glory, and we starve ourselves spiritually. We're selfish. Uh, we don't fail to, uh, we don't, uh, we fail to identify the, the condition that we have because we're selfish. It's not just about me. There's people that depend on you. It's not just about you and your spiritual welfare. You know, there's people looking at you. There's people counting on you. And either you can be selfish and, and, and not care about your spiritual condition and, and let others be discouraged and, and, and cast down. I'm sure the Lord will bring somebody into their life to help them, but you can be that person. Don't be selfish and ignore your spiritual condition because others, others are watching. Others are depending on you. Others are encouraged by you. And we need to be watched. What's the solution? The Lord says to strengthen those things which remain. We have to take stock on what is left. We have to concentrate our efforts there. We can't worry about everything. We can't fix everything. But we have to take stock at what's most important. You know, if somebody's trying to rescue somebody that's having a heart attack, they're not going to get out a box of Band-Aids. They're going to focus on what needs to be done. We have to have the courage and discipline to assess what's the life-threatening condition that we are in and do whatever it takes to stay alive. We have to get to what's important. It's not about the marketing and, and all that uh, that Brother Troy was talking about. It's the Word of God. We have to get to the Word of God. We have to have brotherly love. And we have to stand for the truth. We must become strong in His Word, not our interpretation or any man's interpretation but in the eternal message that is here already. Last problem that I see in the church of Sardis is that they had a failure to remember the Lord that they serve. Verse 3 says, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Well, I can raise my hand and say I'm guilty of this. Do we always think about how the Lord is watching us at all times? That He knows everything that we think and, and we say and we do? He knows how we are around this group of people and then how we act around this other group of people? He can see it all. And like it's already been said and will be said again this weekend, we're going to have to give an account. Well, Sardis was forgetting who they had to give an account to. And He's warning them that if they don't remember... He's going to show up when they're not ready. And I think many of us are going to be surprised and unprepared. The Lord is long-suffering, but He's only going to allow us to weaken and sicken ourselves through negligence and disregard for so long until He puts an end to it and stops it and comes to us. I don't like going to the doctor all the time, but I especially don't like going to the doctor if I've been a bad patient. And we don't want to face the Lord when we've been in living in disobedience and negligence 
So we need to reflect on his faithfulness and obedience. We're never going to be uh, have the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ and his perfection. But we don't have excuse to to squander and to waste the blessings that he's given us. Great blessings that many have not enjoyed as we have. Don't don't squander them. Again, he hath the seven spirits of God, the seven stars. He knows who are truly faithful. And he will give a due reward. And he says that here. He knows his that are faithful. Can you put yourself in that list? Those that have not defiled their garments, they shall walk with me in white. He knows. So what's the solution here to forgetting? Well, to remember the Lord. We need to remember We need to think about Him. We need to remember His sacrifice. We need to remember His obedience. We need to remember His surrender. We need to remember how He completed the task that was set before Him. And we need to compare all the pursuits of this world, whatever they might be, and see that none of them will ever compare to that pursuit of serving and obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing comes close. This should inspire us. Verse 5, the promise he gives to the church of Sardis. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now that's the name that we want to have. That's a name that will never die. That's a name. uh, Can you imagine the Lord Jesus Christ speaking your name in front of his father, in front of all the hosts of heaven? That should be a desire that each of us has. And uh, whatever's holding us back, whatever is uh, causing us to have a bad day, we need to consider this promise here and, and how wonderful, how glorious that is. We want a name that lives, and this is truly the name that will live forever. It's the one that the Lord Jesus Christ will give to us. When we've been faithful. When we've obeyed him. We need a desire to hear His voice call our name out before His Father and the hosts of heaven. We're going to live for the name above all names rather than speaking that name in reproach and, and making a mockery out of it. We need to consider our condition spiritually. Are we chronically ill? May the Lord reveal that to us. He knows all of our needs. He has the seven spirits of God. He's complete, perfect in wisdom. Remember Him. Remember that we have an appointment one day where we're going to have to give an account. We're going to have to answer to Him. Instead of running from these problems that are at the church of Sardis or putting them on someone else, may we all face these problems as they are our own and address them with the power of God and His Word. As it says there in verse 6, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Well, I pray the Lord will bless you with this, this uh, message and, and that he will uh, convict our hearts to, to live for that name that only he can give. And may the Lord give us uh, strength in this area. It's, it's my prayer. Lord bless you.